really, really important aspect of branding is story. And you and your story are kind of one whole thing, no matter like all the different types of person that you've been over time. Hi friends, you're listening to Art and Magic, a podcast where we connect all things practical, magical, and really real when it comes to walking the artist's path. I'm your host, Devin Walls, painter, mentor, and dreamer. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get into today's episode. really excited for today's interview because it's with my girl Taylor Lee and she is such a deep and thoughtful person with a lot of practical tips to share. So this conversation felt like this really soulful, nourishing, inspiring experience where I also learned a lot and walked away really wanting to hone in on my story and my message a lot more than I already have. I think it's going to have the same effect on you. In addition to topics like branding and um, how to navigate big shifts in your style, something I really appreciated in this conversation was Taylor's openness and transparency on pulling back the layers of her own art and the process that's gone into what she chooses to create, and then the thoughts on her story and how she weaves that story into her visuals. I feel like this is the kind of show where I have to say the word inspiring a lot on the intros and outros, but there's just really no other word for it. So yeah, this was all very inspiring. On that note of openness and transparency, I think you're really going to appreciate this conversation if you're somebody who struggles with mental illness um, or you're just emotional, highly sensitive, complex being, as I would personally identify. Taylor talks a lot about her personal growth um, and emotional journey as it relates to her art and as it relates to running her business. Um, Taylor has bipolar disorder. She's very open about that. And if you or someone you know struggles with the same, I think that, again, you'll be very inspired by what Taylor has to share. So for those of you who don't already know her, Taylor Lee is an artist based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. She's mostly known for her painterly style, intentional use of color, and being prolific in the studio. Having experienced the highs and lows of bipolar disorder, painting brings her immense joy and a place to fall in love with being alive. She's been featured on Design Sponge, Honey Book, Rising Tide Society's 20 on the Rise, and Positively Creative. And she's exhibited her paintings in Rayleigh, Rayleigh, apparently I don't know how to say that town's name, and Charlotte, North Carolina, <laughs> while earning her MFA in painting at the Savannah College of Art and Design, she discovered her love of color and has never looked back. So... Without further ado, I give you this conversation with Taylor. I want to start with talking about the ways in which you have changed your style a lot since I've been following you. You and I have been online friends and kind of real friends for like a good period of time now. So it's been really cool to see you strongly work through a multitude of styles and I'm wondering if you could just clue us in on what the process has been for you whenever it's been time to make a shift and kind of how you muster up the bravery to turn such big corners um and how you do this in a way that still works with your brand and for your collectors because I think you do that really well I think I have so many thoughts about my history with switching a lot of different styles Mm. on one hand I really hate it and on the other hand I'm like well it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) so the the part of me that isn't like as excited about it is the part of me that knows that um there actually was never really all that much intention involved in it (laughs) and Mm. there was like 
it, I look at it like a lot of experience, a lot of experiments, like a series of experiments where I'm trying to get more and more specific. I'm trying to find who I am. I'm exploring um, something like abstract expressionism. Why are, why am I like really finding all this abstract expressionist work so appealing? How can I figure that out by doing it myself? Um, and then finding, oh, there's something here, but it's not what I thought it was. What is it? What is it? And then I'm kind of switching. And so I think in some ways, a lot of it came from this magpie syndrome that I can have. Who was really... that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> magpie syndrome is like this term that's talking about being attracted to shiny things. Oh, okay. New things, exciting things, fresh things. And so I think I'm a little self-conscious sometimes about how much I have that mm. and how I just want something new and that if I see something I like, I just want to do it. <laughs> and I think um, I think that we possibly have been kind of programmed to feel ashamed of that because everyone is really obsessed with having a specific style, a specific lane, being known for something specific, which is something that I crave too. And so... I sometimes feel a little bit of shame at how much I've changed because I'm thinking, oh, like, uh, does that mean that I I don't know who I am? And knowing who I am is something that I I like to take pride in. <laughs> mm. So yeah, there's a part of me that feels uncomfortable with it and says, oh, well, you know, those were just a bunch of experiments. Don't even, just don't remember them. Don't think about them. Look at what I'm doing now. Let's focus mm. on that. <laughs> yeah. But, then there's also equally another side of me that just understands that that is all a part of the process and it's something that is necessary for every artist to do. And that I do believe that we each have something very unique to say and that something has a lot to do with who we are and that you don't find out who you are by just thinking about it. You have to try things, you have mm. to experiment. And that all of those things, even if they feel disparate and unconnected, they're actually very much connected by you. Like you're mm -hmm. the Venn diagram slice that kind of is the center of abstract expressionism and florals and like all the other things that I've tried. And that, you know, I couldn't make something that isn't me. You know, like I was actually mm -hmm. reading a statement by de Kooning um last night and he was saying something about like style is fraud you can't you can't like force something you couldn't make something inauthentic if you tried you know like it's just mm -hmm. gonna happen so I think the other side of me is comfortable with how it's gone and it's like oh of course it fits with my branding and stuff because my branding is me and all of this obviously fits who I am Oh, thank you so much for fleshing out like the two sides of that experience, because this is particularly recently, one of the main things that artists I work with have come to me with is just the stress about having a consistent style and then they stifle themselves because they don't want to be inconsistent. And so I, I love what you're giving voice to. And I think that's so good. Like you are that middle point in the Venn diagram, no matter what you do. Yes. So what I'm, I'm also curious about is how you've done this in like, and maybe that, like you said, there hasn't been a whole lot of thought into it or intention, but in a, in a branding sense, because I think that's what people's biggest concern is. I almost think people would have more permission to just make whatever they want if they felt like they didn't have to have this online presence, but you do it so well and so bravely. Yeah. Do you have any like advice there for people who want to do maybe what you've done? Yeah. I think that us as visual artists typically think of branding as being a very visual thing. Mm. And it makes sense to worry that if the visuals of your art changes, then how does that impact the visuals of your branding? Mm -hmm. But I do think that another really, really important aspect of branding is story and you and your story are kind of one whole thing, no matter like all the different types of person that you've been over time, because I've also been a lot of different types of person <laughs> throughout my life. I used to be very different. Um, but then I feel like as I get older, I'm just getting more and more specific about who I am. And I just look at things like 
being a party girl in the 2010s. Like I tried that and it just didn't work. And now I am very reclusive (laughs) and it's not like I was being inauthentic in the 2010s. It's just that I had to kind of like see who I was. And for a while that lifestyle appealed to me. And then I just found out over time that I didn't need it anymore. And so anyway, point being that our story and who we are as a person is really what a really rich brand is all about. And I think that we see a lot of artists who are actually making a lot of different types of work, but under one brand, it feels good. Like Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite contemporary artists is Raven Roxanne. And she's an artist out of Charleston and she makes a lot of different stuff. She paints girls holding flowers and she paints, um, she has this new series called the love birds and it's two little birds together. And then she has what she calls her nests and the nests are abstract paintings, just completely abstract. Mm. And, you know, she is kind of tying them all together with the same story. And Emily Jeffords does this too. Mm-hmm. where she paints oil landscapes, but she also paints these watercolor abstracts. And she also paints these cyanotype botanicals with oil and sometimes with watercolor and sometimes with acrylic. And like she does ornaments too. And like she's doing a bunch of different things and trying a bunch of different things. And yet it all feels like her. And I think it's because her brand is less focused on visuals and is more rooted in her story and her message Mm. so that's kind of what I'm trying to aim to do is make sure that whatever changes I'm making they are authentic changes it's like something I really do want to do and how I can figure out what what is this work this new style of work or this new experiment I'm doing what does that speak to in me as a person Mm-hmm. not necessarily how it looks yeah um which can be hard but I feel like also hindsight is twenty twenty, <laughs> and so when I look back I can see patterns whereas at the time it just it felt like random to me yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh there's so many gems in there and, and such a sigh of relief I'm noticing even for myself as well and I'm not even I, I wouldn't consider this to be one of my main struggles but even just hearing you talk about story as commonality I can feel like my body relaxing because that feels really true yes um and so I'm curious like just to to pull away the layers of that and this is something I wanted to ask you ask you about anyway because you do such a beautiful job with your branding and I think that uh your your ability to bring story to the forefront of your brand is a very noticeable strength And so for other people looking to craft their story or solidify their message, um, what, what can you share about your process in doing this? Or, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is what advice would you have for others who are like, well, what is my story? How can I, how can I come up with this and how can I showcase it? Okay. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, Yeah, I will address more of the branding issue first, like the branding side yeah, of it. Sure. And then once we're done with that, you can remind me. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, there was more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that um, my biggest advice is thinking about it as getting more specific about who you are. Um, mm. It's a very self discovery type thing. You can do a lot of different things to get into self discovery, like, talk about or look up things about the Enneagram or astrology (laughs) and all these things that I know you and I care about. And um, I think that I could see myself heading down this funnel where the more I refine my message and the more I refine my branding, the more excited that I feel because it feels like me. But at the same time, it's scary because you get more and more vulnerable because you're like, oh, this really is me. Mm. <laughs> so, you so know, true. during certain phases of branding or experimenting in my visual work, I'm thinking um, it's easier to be rejected for not being who you are. Mm. If you are rejected, for instance, if I'm rejected by people because they didn't like my abstract work, then I'm like, oh, well, you know, that wasn't fully who I am. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, 
you know, if they reject me for my florals, uh, now I'm like a lot more sensitive about it. Cause I'm like, this is really who I am though. I'm like, if yeah. you don't get it, if you keep asking me to make prints of my abstracts, then this makes me feel kind of bad because to me, it feels like what I'm doing now is so much better. It's so much richer. And, um, so I think the other piece of advice is to remember that you're not everyone's cup of tea. And to just go ahead and accept that because it's really freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that old adage that when you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. You're just watered down. And so I think branding, message, these kinds of things, they really should be polarizing. They yeah. should attract some people, repel others, and that rejection is hard. <laughs> but the key is knowing who you want to attract and just thinking about committing to doing that and try not to think so much about the rejection Mm. if that makes sense yeah yeah that's such a good point yeah like maybe some of our own hesitation to even being honest with our story which could even be a block to finding our story is that it's vulnerable Um, yes yeah so, so the second part of that is, and you, and you definitely touched on it a little bit, but in case there's anything else there is what kind of process have you gone through to craft and solidify your story to really mm-hmm. make that on the forefront with the visuals and what advice would you have? Yeah, I, um, I think the, the very practical, I think we've definitely convinced people why they should <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, think about their story. And so the practical way to that I, the process I've gone through to kind of think more about what my story is and by extension, what my message is and what my work should be and could be doing. Um, I've been thinking a lot about pain points Mm -hmm. because I I heard a piece of advice on creative pep talk with Andy J pizza where he said, something about um your sensitivity like think about what you're sensitive about and usually your sensitivity is it's a sore spot for a reason like something that makes you mad or something that you feel like you should be ashamed of or something that makes you cry at the drop of the hat anything that you're kind of just like emotional about Mm -hmm. typically those are the things that are kind of a big like bullseye like right here is really important to you And, um, so I've just been trying to dig into what those things are. Some of that is through therapy. I go to therapy every week, (laughs) but, um, it's also been a lot of internal thinking, um, noticing, I've been noticing a lot of things about myself and, um, I am the type of person who loves growing. Mm -hmm. I just like love self-improvement. It's all the books I read are like, self-improvement <laughs> um but I've been trying to slow down a little bit and think if I didn't race toward improving x y and z about myself and I just sat with the facts that I have x y and z then what makes me uncomfortable about that why do I want to change it and um those are typically the things that I start to dig into and draw connections around So just to give an example of how that looks, um, one of my big sensitivities is um, feeling, feeling rejected. Yeah. So a lot, uh, there've been a lot of relationships in my life, a lot of times in my life where I have felt super, super rejected. (laughs) Um, I moved to Charlotte all because I felt like people in Raleigh rejected me and Three years later, it seems kind of silly, <laughs> but like at the time, I can really, I can really look back and see like, oh, I was feeling a lot of rejection and why does that irritate me so much? If I could slow down for a second and instead of racing forward to move to Charlotte, just move away from the city and start over, start fresh, then <laughs> what might I have done? What might it have said about me? those kinds of things and really meditating on that Mm -hmm. and then drawing connections between that and other things that interest me like other stories tv shows books the haunting of hill house is one of my favorite shows and books (laughs) and 
a lot of the that story is about rejection mm. and feeling like um like one of the main characters in the show specifically Nell she's rejected by her whole family and then obviously that ends in tragedy and I think that um connecting the dots between my own experiences with rejection and then also the fact that I cannot get enough of a TV show that is about rejection. <laughs> you know, that's just a very simple example. There are a lot of bigger webs at play here, but that's mm-hmm. just a very like specific version of noticing what are my pain points? How does that connect to the other things that I'm consuming or the other things that I'm drawn to like a magpie? Mm-hmm. And then how can I make work about that? Hmm. could you let us in a little bit on how this unveiling of the sensitivity around rejection has woven its way into your visual art or or, and or your brand yeah I think um the the most recent collection that I did revival Mm -hmm. is actually really a lot about that kind of thing Mm um it's a little bit it's a little bit adjacent because it's about a lot of other things too. <laughs> There's like a lot going on in revival, but one of the stories that I didn't really, I haven't actually talked about all that much um, publicly, but the like the real seed for the collection is this story of rejection that I have of my grandmother and my grandmother um, where, I mean, it's very complicated, but just to like the broad strokes is that my grandmother died three years ago and her, her home has not been touched. Her home has not been packed up. It is just as it was when she died and we had her cremated. And since we couldn't remember, I say we, like I was a part of this decision. I wasn't, um, the family, wasn't quite couldn't quite remember where she wanted to be sprinkled and therefore we sprinkled her nowhere and Mm -hmm. so her ashes are just on the kitchen table in her house which remains untouched three years later and I was thinking a lot about that and noticing that it's a deep sensitivity and I was kind of thinking about it like how lonely that must be um I don't I don't really believe in an afterlife. I believe that this is all we got. (laughs) Mm. But I don't think that I would be really excited about having spent the last decade of my life with dementia, which is a really lonely thing, Mm -hmm. and then to die and then be put in a canister to sit on the kitchen table alone. No one, I'm not sprinkled to the wind to join the earth. No one's visiting me. Like, it's just such a lonely, it's like putting someone away um, and just not thinking about them anymore. Like it's just, it's so weird. And I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Mm. And in that, I see not only a sadness and an empathy for my grandmother, but I also see rejection. I don't know what to do with you. Therefore, yeah. I reject you. Um, I don't know what to do with you. Therefore, I do nothing. And that to me speaks of rejection. And so anyway, the past series revival, it was about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but the reason why I painted um, flowers sitting on tables is because the, the vessels that the flowers are in, they're symbolic of the urn. And so Mm -hmm. to me, the way I think about all those vessels and all of those paintings is their urns with my grandmother's ashes in them. And that by, painting flowers sprouting from them I'm somehow giving her a new life a new a new place to be um, instead of just being rejected and like in that house alone there's new life there's new growth there's new admiration mm-hmm. she's being talked about she's being you know kind of brought back to life in some way so I think that's a pretty specific way that I injected that rejection into a visual Oh, I'm so thankful that you shared all that. That's all so powerful. And I, I knew the series was about your grandmother and, and maybe her love of flowers. I'm not sure if I... Yeah, she was her. an avid gardener. Okay. But I had no idea the depth of that story. And as I'm listening to it, my own 
wanting to be psychoanalytical is is thinking about how <laughs> how it's it's a healing for for you as well like around mm-hmm. your own wounds around rejection by embracing your grandmother who is in some way being rejected it's a healing for yourself in the process of of doing that um yeah and and there's like an interaction you Mm -hmm. know which I think is the opposite of rejection Mm -hmm. um because I I think I felt that way a lot in my life too not just from like social rejection you know I'm not I'm not friends with someone or, you know, whatever, um, Mm -hmm. which is something we deal with all the time, but also being bipolar or having bipolar disorder, um, feeling for a very long time, especially in my family, feeling like I was too much to handle Mm -hmm. and therefore was like backed away from. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that the way that we should, as humans, the way we should handle rejection um, or handle differences is not by rejection. It's it should be more like an embrace rather than I'm going to just kind of put you over here and hope that I just don't have to think about it anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cause I, I went to um, treatment for an eating disorder and I voluntarily went myself. So it's not quite the same thing as being like put somewhere where no one has to worry about you. But at the same time, um, I didn't really get visited a lot by my family when yeah. I was there. And so in some ways, even though it was voluntary and I was doing it for myself, I think I can relate to my grandmother's circumstance now where I did feel like I was kind of put, I was somewhere and someone else's problem. <laughs> mm. And uh, it felt very isolating. And I, I really don't think that I've healed my relationship with my family since then because that time that I really needed someone I didn't have it and so I think a lot of my artwork is like dealing with feeling alone and isolated and at the same time just desperately wanting a hug (laughs) like a (laughs) metaphorical one a literal one just like can we just embrace like even though it just feels so much more uncomfortable to be racing toward the possibility of rejection it's just so much better than like sitting in a urn on a kitchen table or sitting in treatment mm-hmm. for an eating disorder it's just like let's be together on this instead of apart yeah totally I think a lot of people including myself will relate to to all of that and it's really interesting like kind of it all ties back to what we started this conversation talking about which is putting your story out there regardless of if people will reject you. Mm -hmm. And so it's just all kind of coming full circle in the way that you doing this, solidifying your story, which a piece of that story is a fear of rejection is, is your strength. So it's all very interesting and it's kind of your superpower in a lot of ways. So (laughs) I really enjoy hearing the deeper layers of that. So we'll get right back to this conversation with Taylor, but I wanted to take this opportunity to let you know that applications for my Art Biz group mentorship program have just opened. And the Art Biz group mentorship program is basically a full start to finish art business course where you also receive one-on-one business coaching and mentoring and group support and group mentoring. So this is going to give you the exact feedback you need on what's right for you and your art, your goals, and your business. It's going to give you the chance to learn from other artists and be in a community setting so that you don't have to do this all alone. And it's going to give you a chance to work through the things that come up along the way of building your art business, like being seen and crafting your story and resistance to taking action and all those other pesky blocks that happen when we step into doing new things. So you can go to devinwalls.com backslash group dash mentorship also in the show notes where you can get all the details on what we're going to be doing over the course of those four months, find out if this is really right for you and get your application in. Okay, let's get back to the conversation with Taylor. So 
So I want to make a slight transition into talking about the business side of all this. But because you mentioned um, having bipolar disorder, maybe we can start there. You, from my perspective, run a really blooming art business. Like, in addition to your art being so intentional and gorgeous, and I know you take your process incredibly seriously, um, you also have like a really booming online art business. And I want to get into the how of that, because I know many people listening also desire this. Um, But something that I'm a really big advocate for is doing that in a way that's really healthy for us and honoring our rhythms and limits. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what that has looked like for you, that honoring um, has looked like for you in business uh, while having bipolar disorder, if there's anything you can share around that. Yeah, I, um, I definitely don't think that doing any other jobs was a good fit for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have had a lot of jobs that I've loved. I've been um, I've been a manager at a comic book store. I've been a teacher. I've been um, a chocolate maker. Like mm. literally got to make the chocolate and not that. just not <laughs> just at the retail counter, like pretending that I'm a part of it, <laughs> like actually being a part of it. Um, not anything against people who work retail. I've also worked retail, a lot of retail. I worked at Barnes and Noble. I worked at a cleaners. Like I've done a lot of things and, um, none of those jobs, unfortunately were a good fit for me, probably because I have bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. and I'm sure I, um, I do not speak for everyone who has bipolar disorder, but for me personally, um, having to clock in at specific times, not a good fit for me. Um, I'm the type of person who I can be extremely passionate and hardworking one week and then the next week feel like I am sinking into the ground. Mm. (laughs) And so that's just not really, ooh, it's just not good. Um, It wasn't good, for instance, at the Chocolate Factory. um, Production was running like a fine-tuned machine and it wasn't really... A good fit for me to be the variable who is like either killing it one week or calling out, you know, quote sick the next week, mm-hmm. um, over and over and over again. And um, so, anyway, doing this specific job really, in some ways, has everything to do with me by being bipolar. Like on one mm-hmm. side, I created this job so that I could work when I wanted, you know, I have weeks and weeks and weeks when I work, 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 and don't really take any time off because I don't feel like I need it. Mm. Um, I'm excited. I am what, you know, people might define as manic. (laughs) Mm. And then I have weeks where I just don't. And that's been a good, it's been a good fit that I have the flexibility for that. But then at the very same time, I um I share the sentiment with Jack London. He says you can't wait for inspiration, you have to go after it with a club. <laughs> and my moods are um at this point, I don't really want my mood to dictate what I do. I don't want my mood to dictate whether I'm successful or not. <laughs> so while I do take breaks and I honor my mental health by you know, like taking a step back when I need it. Um, I will notice during busy times, like, hey, I'm starting to feel really anxious a lot. I need to keep in mind that if I don't take a break soon, I'm going to crash and it's going to be bad. (laughs) Like I have to pay attention to those things. But at the same time, I find that being productive is something that oftentimes improves my mood. And so Mm -hmm. even if I don't necessarily feel like being productive, like if I'm more on the depression end of the spectrum, I usually feel better for at least having tried to be productive. Um, I think as evidenced by almost everything that I'll ever say, I'm not a big fan of just letting things happen to me. I I feel like I really believe in my own agency to do what I need to do. And I don't really like waiting for my moods to dictate what that's going to be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, so on one hand, like I said, I feel like this whole thing is all about me being bipolar And then on the same, the other side of that very same coin, I think being bipolar has nothing to do with it. Mm. (laughs) It's just another variable. It's just like, you know, 
I get my period and I yeah. still work. <laughs> yeah. I'm a woman and I still work. Um, right. you know, like I'm, I'm all kinds of things, not just bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to remind myself of that too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like holding both in your hands, like pay attention to this. It is real honor it. make sure that you're taking care of yourself at the same time. This is not a limitation. This does not define who I am. I can do what I want and I don't have to let anything hold me back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a really, it's something I really wanted to hear your perspective on, particularly because this alludes to a little bit of what you were saying, but you know, all of us who run a business struggle with ups and downs. I have struggled and do struggle with depression. I'm also highly sensitive. Um, And while a lot of our experiences might not be as intense or severe as having bipolar, it's a, it's a question of like, what do we do when um, we're having moods or we're sick or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so I guess a follow-up question with that is, do you ever get down on yourself for being inconsistent? Do you give yourself permission to just take weeks off when you need it? Yeah. A little bit more of like the practical, if that plays a role, or do you just always like, I show up, this is my schedule. This is what it is. I totally, totally get down on myself for not being as consistent as I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, if I, if my business ran the way that I imagined in my head would be the perfect thing, I would probably show up at the same time every day and put in the same hours every, every single day. And um, I would turn out lots and lots and lots of work and mm-hmm. it would just keep rolling. And every time I try to plan, um, oh, you know, this is a new year or, oh, this is a new quarter. How am I going to change things? <laughs> I'm always like, I'm going to work on these specific days of the week. And on these specific days of the week, I'm going to do this. And like, <laughs> um, it doesn't always work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter how much I try, it doesn't work out. So I think what I have found practically is that there is something a lot more powerful than my bipolar disorder. And that is my drive and my ambition and my curiosity. And that typically that is more in the driver's seat than the bipolar is. And mm. so I tend to like, um, I'll find myself just getting extremely ambitious about a goal. So um, for example, to put it into very practical terms, for example, Right now, I'm at this place where I have applied to be um, an artist in residence at a local collective, and I really, really, really want it. I'm like so ambitious about it. I'm going to get this thing, and I've already applied, so there's not really anything I can do at this point, but um, for example, I just see this unfolding for me where I'm going to I'm going to do the residency and the residency is going to force me to show up at a certain studio outside of my own studio, like co-working environment again for the first time in three years. Mm. I'm going to have to be there and I'm going to be preparing for a show that's with other people. That's also some more accountability. I'm going to, this is going to be the thing that breaks me out of my shell. This is what's going to like make me not a recluse anymore. I'm going to do it. And it's going to be amazing. And therefore, um, I've got like, if I get it, I've got maybe two months before that starts, then I need to prepare right now, Uh, right now. I need to like iron out all of the problems in my work so that when I show up for the residency, I am going to be amazing. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to have all of these stupid problems with color mixing figured out. I'm going to like be painting on wood panel. I'm going to figure that out right now because in the two months from now, I'm going to be at that residency and then I'm going to rock it. And you see how it's like ambition, 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 ambition. Yeah, totally. And so right now, even though I am actually in a depressed episode, I'm thinking, I ain't got time for this. Mm-hmm. I got to get ready for that exhibition that I don't even know I'm going to have in two months. Yeah. <laughs> and so I find that more often than not, that drive is like pushing me. It's almost like, a fire that I just cannot, I can't do anything about it. And I just tend to like let myself ride that wave until I'm tired. And then I rest. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for giving that like 
uh, extra picture of what it really looks like on a on a practical level. <laughs> That's so, also like what it looks like in my head most of the time. <laughs> I'm so intense. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, and P.S. I'm intense. <laughs> I'm so intense. I'm always thinking about the next thing. Like, what am I doing next? What's my new strategy? So even if I do take time to like quote rest, it's mostly like I'm watching TV, but I'm also thinking about my next step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic Enneagram 5. <laughs> yep, I'm like constantly plotting. Yep. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um okay, so on all this talk about business, uh something that at least from afar you seem to really excel at is your art sales. Um and you do these beautiful launches for your series. Um And I'm wondering if you could just share advice, like what would be your number one tip for people who want to sell more art online? I definitely think my, my tip for selling is the same as branding. It's Mm. like story. It's all about the story. So for example, famous artists like Warhol, you know, his work is still selling left and right, but mostly people buy it because it's a Warhol. But we don't have that luxury (laughs) right now of having like just the name is good enough. (laughs) So I think contemporary artists today really have to answer the question, why should someone care about your artwork? So um, I think it really is like telling a story, get specific on that story. People like Beyonce can surprise drop an album, you know, like she did with Lemonade. We are not Beyonce, unfortunately. (laughs) I know. This is like, sorry, but we're not. And um, so we really have to kind of unfold a story for people. Um, So that's kind of what I start with when I think about sales strategy, marketing strategy, launching strategy, any of that stuff. What is the story? And how long is it going to take me to tell the story? Like, how big is the story? (laughs) Can I tell it pretty quickly? Like, I do find that holiday sales, you can tell that story really quick. The story is the same story that everyone tells at the holidays, which is you need to give your gifts, like give your loved ones something that shows that you know who they are and you care. Mm. That's the story launch there you go (laughs) but when it comes to um, a collection at any other time of year it feels a lot more arbitrary it's like it could be any date it could be any story it could be like any time and I think people get trapped I know I do by trying to solve all these questions like all these questions arise like what should I do should I drop them all at once? Should I tease them? Should I drop them one at a time once a week? Should I like so many questions? Mm-hmm. I, that's what I'm curious about. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I'm a big believer in AB testing mm. pitch for people who don't know what that means. Um, it's like try option A, try option B, see which one worked well. If neither of them worked, let's try option C. If option A worked, let's go all in on option A. Um, I really like trying things and seeing what works. So um, try a surprise drop. And if it doesn't work, don't. (laughs) 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 And uh, try selling your work on Instagram stories. And if that works, do it some more. And if it stops working, then now's the time to change your strategy. So um, yeah, it's like, making sure you're specific on the story and then being willing to try several different versions of the thing you're trying to do. I think I'm like going to get on my soapbox about failure. Um, Oh yeah, please do. I would love that. (laughs) For a second. (laughs) I think that failure is just such an essential part of this whole thing. And that I think people are extremely afraid to fail, which is valid. I am afraid to fail all the time. But I think that many, many people, especially starting out, I know I did, you might assume that there is one right answer for the way to do things, but there are actually a lot of right answers. (laughs) Like there are some wrong answers too, but there are a lot of right answers. So the odds are in your favor. Mm. Um, I think that creativity is more of a response to failure. I think creativity and failure are kind of like together. 
always. I don't think creativity is separate from failure. And so isn't that the point? You know, like we all became artists because we want to be creative, but I don't think one can be creative without facing failure. Mm. You know, like the phrase, I got, I'm going to have to get creative. Yeah, It means like, this isn't easy, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I definitely think that um, I would encourage people again, know your story and then to just not be afraid to try a bunch of different things and to trust yourself to figure it out. I think there is underestimation on what you can do with the powers of observation as well. If you're curious how an artist launches their collection, sign up for their email. Like if they're using their newsletter, you will see each and every email. You can literally be a total creep and write out the dates that you receive those emails and be like, okay, so uh, yeah, Emily Jeffords sent me an email on Monday last week. She sent another one on Friday and then she sent one the following Monday and then she launched the following Friday. Like you can really like piece together the story. All the information is out there. Mm -hmm. Observe, use your powers. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad you brought attention to that because I mean, full transparency. I pretty much do that with any new business move that I do, including this podcast. Like Mm -hmm. how do these people make their intro and how do they launch it and all of that. And it's true. It's like the information is out there because people are doing it all the time. Um, Yeah. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And there you'll find out they're doing it because they saw someone else do it. Mm. Like, um, you know, recently I joined one of Jenna Kutcher's email newsletter um, courses Mm -hmm. and I wrote up this email based off of what she told me like, you know, how to do it. And I wrote up this email and it was a beautiful email. And I'm a part of um, several artists newsletter lists. And I actually received a, a newsletter from one of my heroes. I'm not going to say their name because I don't want to like draw attention to um, anybody in particular. But yeah, I got like an email from them. And the email, it read exactly like the email that I had written. And I was like, she's in that course. Mm. And it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, oh my oh, God. We're all doing this. We're all doing it. Yeah. <laughs> there is no, like, I mean, I just said there is no one right answer. And I just, like, my example was like, there was a one right answer. <laughs> we're all using the same right answer. Um, but I, I just really think that we find it so easy to just doubt our own judgment about something. But, you know, mm. like, I found that course. I trusted that course. I wrote that email. Turns out my hero trusted it too. And it was so validating. But imagine all the time I might have spent worrying whether or not I had done a good job when like I was literally doing the same thing my hero was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just kind of puts us like we're all in this same boat together trying to figure it out. Like at the core, I think for a lot of us, we're artists who love to make art, who are passionate about our work and everything else is like, we're all kind of trying to figure out how to do this together. Like Instagram and newsletters really haven't been around that long. Like and no. so we're not that separate <laughs> from the people that we think are so far ahead of us. We're really not. Um, we're really, really not. And yeah. I felt that way about shipping, like shipping is a huge question. How do you ship your work? Oh my God, mm-hmm. I'm panicking. How do I ship it? Um, I have, what I did was I purchased artwork from people who I wanted to know how they shipped it. And then it's, you know, I got their artwork in the mail and I was like, oh, they're literally doing it the same way I'm doing it great yeah Yeah, it's just like there's so many easy ways to just find out what other people are doing um but oftentimes I think when you find out what they're doing it's just the same thing that you were going to do anyway (laughs) it's like Mm. oh it's not that different it's not there's no one genius out there who came up with all the rules like we're artists we're supposed to make some of the rules ourselves (laughs) yes Absolutely. I think that's a great, um, great little point to round out that topic. Like, yep. <laughs> you also have permission to try things your own way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, what if you could do it better than your hero, you know? Um, that would be amazing. I, I know, certainly, I know how to use a tape dispenser better than my hero. <laughs> You're like, I know because I bought their work. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. I, I know that they, they weren't taping it very well. But hey, at the end of the day, as long as it's taped, yeah. 
it doesn't matter how you taped it. You just need it taped. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay, so we're kind of coming to a close here. But before I, um, we talk about what's coming up for you and anything else you'd like to share, I want to do an intimate semi-rapid fire round, if you're cool with that. Cool. Sounds fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. Um, so these are all finish the sentence. Okay. So the first one is, if someone really knew me, they would know. Oh, I am just a little sensitive bird that's hiding in a hole, <laughs> waiting for an invitation to come out. <laughs> so good. So resonates. Okay. <laughs> um, the next one is, art is. Uh, freeing. Yeah, very freeing. Okay, the next one is the color of my soul is. Ooh. Um probably red. I've always identified with red. Um it hurts my feelings that people don't realize that I am a redhead. <laughs> I realize that. <laughs> Good. I have the baby pictures to prove it. And um yeah, I've always identified with red. It's like a power color. I'm using a lot of it in my new work because of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I feel like red really had like a big moment in work that was popular, like maybe a couple of years ago. And it's kind mm -hmm. of like maybe going to make a comeback now. So I'm excited to see that. Yes. Yeah. Or like in home <laughs> design too. I'm kind of thinking about that. Cool. Yes. Love it. Um, okay. And then the last one is I honor my art by. Um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. The The thought came immediately to mind. Um, like talking about it, you mm. know, um, by marketing it, by selling it. Like that's how I'm honoring my work. I could just keep it to myself. I could be too shy to talk about it. Sometimes I am. Um, but I, I kind of honor my artwork by going outside of my comfort zone. Like this is turning into more than a sentence, but yeah, no, keep it coming. Love it. <laughs> but you know, like, I think that the common thread, I get a lot of questions about things like, how do you show up in Instagram stories? I'm so shy in front of the camera, et cetera. Or, uh, weren't you scared to go to the exhibition? Blah, 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 blah. And the answer is like, I am a thousand percent scared all the time. I am so anxious. I am always terrified of having a panic attack, especially a public one. Um, but the reason why I keep doing these things like getting on Instagram stories or <laughs> going to exhibitions or things like that is because I owe it to my artwork. It's like my artwork cannot live in a hole with me. Like <laughs> it's on my, like I push it out of the hole first before me and then I'm like, oh, I have to come out too. Oh, well, okay, I guess I will. And then I like climb out of the hole because I have to be there for the art. That is a really, really great answer. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really inspired and excited about that answer. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's yeah. such a wonderful thing to claim. Like, yeah, you know, I honor my art by selling it and like marketing it and talking about it. And I love that, that ownership because I think maybe artists who are starting out or artists who haven't embraced that yet might see marketing as like this like dirty thing for artists. I know that mm -hmm. that perspective and feeling kind of lurks out there but I I love it's like no that's how I honor my work um, yeah absolutely if you're not going to speak for your art who else is like mm -hmm. this is kind of a doggy dog world um and you have to really be your art's biggest champion and then at the same time your art has the ability to like save you too um I've seen that with my own it's like it's inspired me to just be a lot more open and kind and compassionate and like adventurous, like all the things about myself that don't come naturally. I like have to really work toward. I've done it because of the art, you know? I really love that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. So before we say our final goodbyes, where can people find you? What's coming up for you? What are you excited about? Tell us. Ooh, so many things. Um, I'm typically the most active on Instagram, which is at Taylor Lee Paints. It's not my business name. 
I hate it when people think it's my business name. <laughs> No, no, business no. name is literally Taylor Lee, but okay. anyway, <laughs> um, Taylor Lee pants on Instagram. Although I admit I haven't been on Instagram as much lately because I've been, I've got like a new layer to my life now, which is like off Instagram and it feels really good. So Instagram isn't everything guys. <laughs> and, um, I'm also on my website a lot, maintaining that and updating it because I'm currently working on releasing a blog. I've been giving a lot of information through my newsletter over the past month about that because I, I'd really like to show people more about my creative process and kind of demystify things. I feel I feel like that's part of what this whole conversation was about is demystifying things that feel yeah. mysterious and like um, you know, like geniuses only know the answers to these things. Not true. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to demystify that a little bit via my blog. And hopefully I'll get the residency. If I get that, that will probably be my main priority for the next few months, um, creating an exhibition for that and whatnot. But if I don't get it, or if I do, I mean, who am I kidding? I'm going to continue putting out collections online and I'm currently working on a new collection. It'll be, um, it'll be florals again, but there's going to be some new elements. Like, uh, I really want to play with this idea of moths, that idea of moths to the flame. I feel like is really symbolic of this. This is another example of like putting you into your work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I feel like these new opportunities that I have, I feel like I'm a moth to the flame. I can't, but help go after them and um so I kind of wanted to bring moths into my bouquet somehow maybe hiding them in there sometimes maybe doing some small pieces that are just moths um moths are really beautiful I was just noticing as I was researching imagery around that so anyway I'm kind of like clearly exploring but at the same time building a collection and I'll be talking about that a lot on Instagram and my blog love it Oh, and thank you for sharing that about the moths. It's so funny as you were saying that. I'm like, that's so your essence right now. Like it really came out in this conversation. So to hear that you'll be playing that with the playing with that in your art, um, I can't wait to see it. So yeah, and moths are not as uh they're not as traditionally accepted as butterflies. You know, like yeah. if a butterfly is flying around your house, like oh cute. But if a moth is, you're like ah like moth weird. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it speaks again to that that fear of rejection where I'm like mm. moths are beautiful and they're, they're like attracted to the flame and it's beautiful, but at the same time, they're not as easily accepted. And I feel like I, it really resonates with me. Mm. So, so many things, so many layers. So <laughs> many, uh, if I could be the theme of this conversation, the layers. I've, the layers. Oh my yeah. God. So yeah, everybody just dig in, dig into this. This is not simple. This is not easy, but that doesn't make it any less fun. Mm. yeah oh, Taylor thank you so much for your honesty and transparency and your depth of thought and everything that you bring to the community and and this conversation I really really appreciate it this was a lot of fun <laughs> yay yay great okay well we will be in touch very soon sounds great talk right. soon oh, I just love Taylor her and I have had many conversations together about art and business, and I really appreciate her depth of thought. We are both fives on the Enneagram, <laughs> and we've talked about this and how it allows us to bring that analysis to the process of being an artist and being in business. And I know it's particularly on her, it makes for some really, really thought-provoking pieces to share with others. So lots of gratitude for her. Definitely be sure to check out her work on Instagram. Um, all of those links for her are in the show notes. Other than that, like I already mentioned, get your application in for the Art Mentorship Group Program. The Art Biz Group Mentorship <laughs> is the official title. And you know, after teaching business and mentoring people one-on-one, -on -one, I really felt like it was time to merge the two because A, so many people were needing mentoring around the same things. And so many people need like the practical plan, which is the course element and the one-on-one -on -one mentoring and feedback. And this is where all of those elements merge together. So 
Again, the link for that is also in the show notes. Next week, we have a really exciting interview with Amira Rahim, where she gets really vulnerable about her backstory and what's gone into building her business. She's kind of like the queen of art on Instagram. I'm sure you already know her. Um, Anyway, you definitely want to stay tuned for that. If you want to make sure not to miss it, make sure you hit subscribe to this podcast. When you do that, new episodes will magically find their way into your queue and you won't miss a thing. You can also stay up to date by following me on Instagram. My handle is at Devin Walls Art. Ratings and reviews are so appreciated and they really help the show get out there to other artists who are craving this kind of content and information. Um, and they only take like one second. So you can just hit rate and review right below the list of episodes. That is all we have for today. I am sending you lots of love and tons of magic, and I will see you next time.